This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on April 4th, 2023. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us for the Tuesday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson, and I'm filling in for Rob Hart. There are strategies to promote safety and savings for women who travel alone. We'll learn about that in our next segment. But right now, it is Election Day in Chicago with a runoff vote determining the new mayor. We're joined by Andy Shaw, former president of the Better Government Association and WBBM political analyst. And Andy, it would seem that at least in the mayoral race, it's all going to come down to the citywide turnout. That's true, Rachel. It's also going to turn it's also going to come down to what happens with all the people who voted for Mayor Lightfoot, Willie Wilson and Chewy Garcia in the primary. Now, Paul Vallis beat Brandon Johnson by 11 points in the primary. But that means the other three that I just mentioned got the rest of the votes. Those votes are now open for either Vallis or Brandon Johnson. And whoever does the best job of gathering those votes is going to be the next mayor. Johnson should get the vast majority of those because of the African-American vote and the Latino vote. But if Paul Vallis can get 20 percent of those votes today, along with the strong support he has in moderate white voting communities, he'll be the next mayor. But I should add that we may not know who the next mayor is tonight because there are still 100,000 mail-in ballots that haven't been sent in. People have until 7 p.m. to postmark those ballots. So if it's close tonight, say within two or three or four percentage points, with upwards of 50 to 100,000 ballots still out, it'll be impossible for anyone to declare victory or concede. Now, let's talk about the the voting habits of in-person today compared to those mail-in ballots. Does one lean toward one candidate or another? It's impossible to say, Rachel. You know, yesterday was the all-time record for early voting. 30,000 people voted yesterday. Here's one factor that may affect the turnout today. This is spring vacation for Chicago public schools, which means a number of families may not even be in the Chicago area. And if they didn't vote early, that could be a real problem because Brandon Johnson, a former teacher and a CTU consultant, should do very, very well among the CPS crowd. So that's another factor. But it's impossible to know who 
holds on to those mail-in ballots. And in terms of turnout, the Board of Elections says it'll be a lot like the primary, around 35 percent. Disappointing, but that's the modern reality in city elections. This is a historically close race, though, between these two candidates, no? Yes, it is. And it's also probably the, 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 the biggest difference in two candidates uh, in a couple of decades. There are differences every election between one and the other candidate. But in terms of political ideology and philosophy, Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson are far, far apart on policing, on education, on taxes. And so the good news is voters have a pretty clear choice. If you follow your own political ideology, it should be pretty easy to choose one or the other. And the question is, who has the majority of Chicagoans on their side? And we'll have live continuous election coverage beginning at 7 this evening after the polls close. Thanks so much, Andy Shaw, former president of the Better Government Association and WBBM political analyst. Coming up on this Travel Tuesday, some tips for women taking a solo trip. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It is Travel Tuesday, and some people prefer the flexibility of a solo trip, but that comes with its challenges, especially for women. Let's get some strategic help from Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors based in Scottsdale. And Angie, this is something that's become increasingly popular and trendy, I think, especially among young single women, and that is to take a, a solo international trip. But there are some things to keep in mind. Yes, correct. And I think a lot of times we have this ambition to travel and it's really hard to align schedules with other people and that really brings to mind whether or not we're prepared to take a trip uh, on a solo basis. So what are some things that that a single woman who's looking to travel abroad needs to consider when when picking a destination, uh, when deciding an itinerary, things like that? Sure, some destinations are going to be better suited for the solo traveler than others just from the standpoint of logistics and being in environments where you'll feel safe. Additionally, it's important to really share your travel itinerary with other people so that they can be aware of where you're traveling. I also think it's a great idea to form a relationship with the hotel concierge. Let them know when you're leaving for the day and when you're expected back. Because if you don't have a way to get a hold of somebody, you have another person that's kind of aware of your expected time of arrival. And that information could always be shared if need be with a family member that's trying to get a hold of you. Now, I'm not trying to scare anyone away from doing this, but Angie, I think you you too have taken some solo trips and, and it does have its benefits. It does. It really allows you to plan your day at your pace and based on your interest. I mean, my first experience with traveling solo was when I was 19 years old. I'm quite older now, um, but at that point in time, I was studying abroad and I realized that Um, Europe was at my disposal, studying in Spain, and I wanted to just venture different places. And yes, I was visiting um, a country where I was meeting other people, but there were times I just wanted to adventure on my own. And sometimes solo travel can be in a group environment where you might feel safer, um, you know, traveling, you know, by train or in a bus or certainly by air, and then separating once you get to the destination or joining a few small group tours from time to time. We have a lot of solo travelers that even though they're traveling or arriving someplace and returning on their own throughout the experience, they look for ways to meet other travelers or um, locals. So you don't, it's, it's not necessarily experience where you're 
alone. In fact, I oftentimes feel that solo travel gives you the opportunity to actually be in a more engaging situation. Well, that's just it. You're completely immersing yourself in another culture. I think sometimes when we travel with friends or family, it's the same people we see every day at home. And maybe that takes away from some of the taking in of a new culture. Exactly. And do keep in mind that there are small groups that are designed for solo travel. Some of those groups are specific to women. Others are not. You know, it's it's not gender specific. And that is still a way to travel kind of solo. I think what keeps us from from taking trips sometimes is coordinating schedules with other people, choosing a destination with other people. Why not look at either adventuring by yourself or if that's a little intimidating, go on that trip by yourself, but align yourself with other like-minded travelers who want to experience different destinations. And those groups are, are published itineraries. So you can look at dates and different itineraries that appeal to you. Some small group tours are more adventure-minded where you're zip lining one day, hiking another day. Others are more culturally enriching. So there's a lot of options to choose from. There isn't a one-size-fits-all necessarily. You can really dive into something that works um, for your interests, your budget, and also your travel dates and the destination that appeals to you. Thanks so much. Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors, the website travelbta.com. Up next, the latest economic data. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Reports on factory orders and job openings lead today's economic data. Let's break it down with the help of Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. And Paul, uh, help us understand the latest data from the uh, jobs report. It's uh, tumbling. Well, yes, we've been seeing some cracks under the surface in the jobs market for the last six months, I'd say. Things like hours increasing, wage gains slowing down. Now we're starting to see increases in layoffs, especially with tech companies. Uh, And we're starting to see slower growth in jobs, so fewer new jobs available each month. Uh, This all combines with a lot of other data, uh, a recession in housing, slowing in consumer spending, increased credit card delinquencies, that sort of thing, and, and combines to give a picture of an economy that's at the brink probably of a recession. Now, believe it or not, I mean, I would actually argue that that might be good news for the Fed. If, if we see that job openings have tumbled uh, for the first time below 10 million for the first time in nearly two years, does that tell the Fed that its efforts to, to slow the labor market are paying off? It does tell the Fed that, that it's working. What they're doing is working. But uh, unfortunately for the Fed to, to, to bring down inflation, they typically have to break something. Uh, and in this case, they've uh, they've created some credit uh, problems. Uh, the banking system is under some strain. We're starting to see uh, it more difficult for small businesses to get loans. Interest rates are going up. Uh, banks are under strain, as I mentioned. Uh, and so you know, this is this is probably another issue for the economy to deal with going forward over the next six months is that is that uh, the, the lack of money available to borrow is probably going to push us into recession maybe a little faster than we thought the beginning of the year. So, yeah, they're, they're successful, but they only succeed by breaking something. Yes, I guess that's fair. Nothing good can come of uh, if you don't uh, break a few. What is this? What, what's the phrase here I'm trying to think of? <laughs> uh, break a few dishes? That's what I'm thinking of. That's right. Now, I, I also want to mention, though, that when I'm looking at the job openings, uh, I did notice that there was one sector, just one, that had a noticeable bump, and that was in new construction jobs. So can you sort of weigh in what that might mean for for uh, construction and, and, and the economy moving forward? 
So I wouldn't put too much stock by that. Sorry for the pun. Uh, for a couple <laughs> of reasons. First of all, uh, the, it's backward-looking data, so it's data that's based on March. Uh, and uh, the winter was really pretty warm, uh, and with a warmer winter, a lot of construction companies might have taken advantage to get an early start on the spring. Uh, and so maybe they're maybe they're hiring now instead of more in, in in May and June. So in other words, some of that hiring is being brought forward, is being stolen from from later months. So I wouldn't put too much uh, so, too much emphasis uh, on that. And, and the second part is that you know with mortgage rates at seven percent, yeah, you can only build so many houses before you really stop finding people who are willing and able to pay for them. Uh, so again, uh, it's an, it's a bright spot, but I'm not sure how long that lasts. Thanks so much, Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, making your next trip a roller coaster ride. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A suburban high school is placed on lockdown following a report of a student possibly having a gun in the building. A veteran Chicago firefighter dies while working on a fire on the south side overnight. The deadline for filing tax returns now two weeks away. We'll discuss when it's smart to get that extension. Plus, in Travel Tuesday, taking a wild ride on America's roller coasters. WBBM business, so the markets are on a roller coaster of the their own dipping down into the red, the Dow down 205 points, NASDAQ off 50, and the S&P 500 down 20 points. AccuWeather says severe thunderstorms could be in the area. We have a watch in effect until 3 o'clock this afternoon. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues as police are currently on campus at Highland Park High School following a report that a student in the building may have a gun. There are no reports of any shots fired. The school's been placed on a lockdown, with students and staff told to remain in place as long enforcement works to secure the building. Students had reportedly planned a walkout around 10:15 this morning as part of an effort to draw attention to the issue of gun safety. Two elementary schools in the area are also now on lockdown status. A Chicago firefighter is dead after an extra alarm fire in the city's far south side in the West Pullman community. We just ask for prayers, please. Fire Commissioner Annette Nance Holtz says firefighter Jermaine Pelt was working the line when he went down. Our firefighters and paramedics, they work feverishly on Jermaine doing CPR all the way from the scene to Christ Hospital. He passed away. The commissioner says Pelt just turned 49 and had been on the force since 2005. He just walked his daughter down the aisle. So she got, she's on her um, honeymoon and she's been notified her dad 
did not survive a fire. The fire started in a two-and-a-half-story frame house on South Wallace near 120th at about 3.30 in the morning and quickly spread to two other buildings. Fire officials say it's unclear what led to the firefighter's death. There was no collapse and no explosion. Two other firefighters were hurt, but they are expected to be okay. Dave Berner, 105.9 WBBM. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Markets are in the red. We're joined by Paul Nolte, Senior Wealth Advisor and Market Strategist at Murphy & Sylvest in Chicago. And Paul, uh, we just wrapped up the first quarter here. Stocks were in the green. What's been your takeaway? Oh, it's really been a, a, a market that's been focused on the very largest of the U.S. stocks. So if you look at the top five or six companies in the uh, S&P 500, they accounted really for all of the return uh, in the first quarter. The other 490 stocks or so finished actually lower in the first quarter. So it was a rotation back to the very large companies. And I think part of that was because of some discussion of slowing economy, lower interest rates, which have helped technology stocks. But both of those have led to technology really outperforming uh, significantly in the first quarter. Now, another sector that uh, not too long ago was making headlines, banking with the closure of SVB. Do you think that we've we've cleared this so-called banking crisis or is there still fallout ahead? Oh, there may be some fallout yet ahead. I mean, you you don't see one or two of these in isolation. A little bit like cockroaches, there if there's one or two, there's going to be a bunch. So, and it, it may not be as serious. Uh, certainly, we're seeing money that's moving out of the banking area. It is continuing, but and maybe at a lesser pace. We'll see if the Fed continues to raise interest rates through the summer months, if it continues to put added pressure on banking sector and see if they actually do raise their deposit rates as well to attract some money or keep money in the banks. Now, inflation still obviously remains an issue. We just had the jobs report out with uh, those numbers sort of tumbling for the first time in a while. Is a recession inevitable? What are your thoughts on, on where the economy's headed? Yeah, there's a lot of indicators that we've looked at over the last six months or so, even a year that have indicated we're heading for a recession. If you look at the manufacturing side, uh, any parts of the economy that are making things, uh, those are in recession. So the factory orders were down, uh, construction spending, not great. All of those areas are impacted by higher interest rates. The service side continues to do very well, and it's going to be very difficult for the Fed to slow that down by raising rates. So we may wind up with a rolling recession that hits manufacturing now, maybe the service side later this year or early into next, as consumers get a little bit more concerned about their own job and maybe pull back on some spending. Now, there's been an ongoing discussion, too, with value stocks versus growth stocks. So who wins the year? Uh, that's going to be a tough call. I mean, you know, certainly the technology stocks have gotten a big leg up in the first quarter. We still think over the next three to five year value wins out. Uh, but the banking side has been a big drag. So maybe this year is a, is a win for the technology area. But uh, we think that really the tech stocks from a valuation perspective toward the top end of their historical ranges. So we may not do well over the next three to five years, even though this year may actually ultimately be a good one. Now, energy, interestingly, is marching higher. So what are your thoughts on on stepping and dipping our toes into the energy space? Energy is interesting because we've gotten news from OPEC Plus. They're going to hike or cut production. We also need to fill up our own uh, 
reserves that were drained last year in order to keep energy prices low. So there are some upward pressures on energy. A lot of those companies have gotten fiscal discipline, so they're actually doing very well from a cash flow basis, earnings basis. So they are being run very differently than they have for the last decade or so. So many of those companies actually still look good, even in today's environment. Thanks so much. Paul Nolte, a senior wealth advisor and market strategist at Murphy & Sylvest here in Chicago. Up next, it's Travel Tuesday. We'll talk about the best roller coasters in the country. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday. This afternoon, our focus is on the thrill ride. We welcome John Stevenson, founder and rider at Coasters101.com, based in Nashville, Tennessee. And John, uh, you're speaking with another roller coaster uh, enthusiast here. So let's talk about what exactly uh, is is there around, especially in the Midwest. There's a lot of great theme parks and uh, roller coasters to choose from. Yeah, I actually spent a lot of time in Chicago, and I love Six Flags Great America. I've spent many, many, many days there. Um, really great collection of roller coasters. Max Force, um, 0 to 78 miles per hour in under two seconds. That makes it the fastest acceleration in North America. Goliath, uh, the wooden coaster when it was when it opened, uh, was the fastest, the tallest, and steepest wooden coaster. Um, and then even classics like Batman the Ride was the uh, the first inverted coaster, so first of its kind. So a really, really great collection. Love Cedar Point and Sandusky, a largest amusement park in the world. So the Midwest is really packed with a lot of different great parks and coasters. Yeah, now Cedar Point, so I've been to both. I've been to Six Flags Great America. I've been to Cedar Point. Uh, Cedar Point, I remember uh, one ride in particular, and I, I'm going to forget its name. I want to say it's like the Dragster or something. It's literally, it's, it's one up and one down, but it is so fast. Yeah, Top Thrill Dragster. It was opened as the fastest and tallest uh, coaster in the world. So yeah, it's uh, it's actually closed right now, but it is coming back next year. So we're really, really excited. The coaster enthusiasts of the world are really excited to get back on it. So what makes a good roller coaster? And I'm guessing this is a subjective question, because if you ask me, I'm a big fan of the wooden roller coasters, where you feel like you have a migraine when you get off. But uh, in your opinion, your expertise, what makes a roller coaster a good one? Yeah, like you said, it really varies from person to person. Personally, I love speed and height, uh, airtime, that kind of floating sensation that you get over the hills. But then launches are great as well, that acceleration that, you know, you just leave your stomach behind. So some people like the inversions going upside down, the intense G-forces. So that's what's great. There are so many roller coasters, and, uh, you know, they really have something for everybody. So, but, yeah, the height and speed, those are those are the kind of the common themes of some of my favorite roller coasters. I think there's also sort of a newer trend outside of uh, Disney World and that franchise, but there is seems does seem to be a trend of, of rides that share within a franchise. And I'm thinking of the the recently opened uh, Jurassic World Velocicoaster at, at Universal's Islands of Adventure in Orlando. Yes, that is. So my favorite, I've been on almost 300 roller coasters, so my favorite can can change from year to year, but right now I rode, uh, yeah, I rode Velocicoaster last year, and it was such an amazing ride. I had very high expectations going into it, and it just blew those away. So Jurassic Park franchise is one of my favorites. So it's already got that going for it, but it's heavily themed during this Raptor compound. There's two launches, uh, inversion, speed, great view of Islands of Adventure. The trains are open air, so you're very exposed. I mean, it really 
Uh, it, it's the entire package. It is it is a tremendous roller coaster, and I can't wait to get back and ride it again. Now, those theme parks open year-round, but here in the Midwest, we're expecting uh, the season to kick off uh, in the next couple of weeks here. I know Six Flags Great America set to open April 22nd, and uh, as we mentioned, Cedar Point, not terribly far away. Uh, just a, a final thought here on, on your favorite theme parks uh, outside of the ones that we've already mentioned. Yeah, so I live in Nashville, and uh, Dollywood is probably my favorite theme park. I've spent a lot of time there as well. Beautiful Smoky Mountains, uh, Dolly Parton. I mean, she's amazing. So anything that, that has her name on it, you can't go wrong with it. Great food and shows. And then people are always surprised that the park has world-class roller coasters. One of my favorites is Lightning Rod. It opened as the world's first launch coaster. Next month, the park is opening its longest coaster, Big Bear Mountain. It's just it it really is a very, very well-rounded park, and I go many times a year. So that's that's probably my favorite. But again, that's getting hard harder as well with the the more that I visit. The country is it really has so many great parks to offer. So we're in a good spot there. Thanks so much. John Stevenson, founder of Coasters101.com, based in Nashville, Tennessee. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, deciding whether a tax filing extension is right for you. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. There are just two weeks left to file those tax returns for 2022, but what if you're unable to meet that deadline? Let's get some tax assistance from Jeff Harlow, a spokesman for the Illinois CPA Society, and Jeff, how do you decide if a tax extension is right for you? Rachel, I guess the easiest way to answer that question is, is there any reason at all that you can't file by April 18th? And that would include you're missing some information. You don't have time to carefully review it. Uh, you're not clear on a particular tax rule. You know, If there's a reason like that, there's no downside to filing an extension. And that extension would give you, what, an extra six months to, to file? Exactly. It's an extension of time to file, and it puts off the due date for the filing of the return uh, for another six months. Uh, It's important when it comes to what kind of penalty might apply. If you file a return late without an extension and you owe money, there's a late payment penalty that applies. That's 5% of the tax due per month. If you file the extension, even if you owe money still, it's only one half of 1% per month. So it can be a big deal. Yeah. Now, how do you go about if you do need more time and you want to make sure that your I's are dotted, T's are crossed, how do you go about filing for that federal tax extension? I'm guessing it's online. Well, you can do it online or you can do it on paper. Uh, It's incredibly easy to do. Uh, If you file on paper, uh, you can download the forms from the IRS website. It's a form 4868. It's basically a coupon that you fill in. There's no signature required you mail it to the IRS. It's, it's as easy as can be. Uh, similar kind of rule for Illinois. For filing online, if you're making a payment with the extension, you go in to make your payment online and you designate it as an extension payment. And at that point, you're done. You don't need to file the paper form in addition to making the extension, uh, the online extension payment. And again, I think the biggest thing to remember here is if you do opt in for filing for a, a tax extension, uh, your delayed filing also means delayed returns. Well, absolutely. If you uh, file an extension, file your return late, uh, it's going to be longer before you get your refund back. Uh, but, uh, you know, the whole thing is, are you ready? 
And a lot of people just aren't ready right now, but they're, they're scared and they don't realize how painless and how easy an extension filing can be. Thanks so much. Jeff Harlow, a spokesman for the Illinois CPA Society based here in Chicago. And of course, if you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's also a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.